Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the final episode of 2020, our first Bible reading plan year. We're covering Malachi, Second Chronicles, and we finished Revelation. And I feel like this is, um, it's such a weird thing to be ending the Bible reading plan as if like we completed it when we started it in February. I feel like there's a part of me that is like really irritated by not like actually having finished the entire thing That's in the funny. message. So I think I'm totally I'm, counting it because I feel like I had started another Bible reading plan. Right. I, like, like the last half of last year, yeah. I started this one and then I started a 90 day one. I was going to do it in 90 days. And so yeah. I read one and then switched to this one again. So I've like for sure read it. But I think not- I feel robbed because I, I was reading it. I did read it. It's not like I wasn't reading it before we started, but I was reading it in the She Reads Truth Bible and I mm-hmm. sp- the message for when we started in February. Mm-hmm. So there's a part of this that I'm not going to get in the message, which, right. well, I will because you'll be reading it. Right. Now. I'm reading it. So you can read it vicariously. So that's me. good. But yes, we are, um, we're starting again. In fact, we're going to do a wrap up. We'll, we'll post this one on December 31st because <laughs> I was going to skip this. I was just going to jump right in because January 1st is the next day that we're Friday, supposed to post right. an episode. And so I was just going to start fresh in the new year with a new, uh, but then a, a, one of our members posted this morning that she couldn't wait to hear what we had to say about Malachi and Revelation. Nope. So I was like, oh, well, we've got to wrap up. I guess we do. We really do. Yeah. Like we should. I'm glad. I feel like we need this closure. Like yeah, this is. We yes. totally do. So um, into Second Chronicles, I don't need to stay there. I will just say what I love about Second Chronicles is um, I just love the close-up picture that we get of the kings of Judah. Mm-hmm. They really don't focus on Israel at all. No. I had never noticed that before, that that was the difference between mm-hmm. kings. And where where do we start in, in Second 31, Chronicles? I kept going back and comparing this story of Hezekiah to the second Kings, I think the Mm -hmm. second Kings version and Isaiah Mm -hmm. and Isaiah. And it was interesting to me, second Chronicles totally skims over. So I remember his like, like like Hezekiah's folly is the high, is the heading in second Kings in my Bible. They call it Hezekiah's folly. And it made me think, and the folly is that the folly is that he, He's the one that says, well, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. So no worries, basically. Right. And they don't leave it out. They but say did that you the notice? Sign, instead of making Hezekiah grateful, made him arrogant. And this made God angry. And his anger spilled over into Judah and Jerusalem. But then Hezekiah this is in, Jerusalem. This is, this is in Second Chronicles. That's, you're talking about him. They skim over it. Right. Like that's the part where they, they Okay, where are him. you? Where are oh, you? Sorry, Second Chronicles 32, starting in 24. Sometime later, Hezekiah became deathly sick. He prayed to God and mm-hmm. was given a re- reassuring sign. But the sign, instead of making Hezekiah grateful, made him arrogant. 
This made God angry and his anger spilled over on Judah and Jerusalem. But then Hezekiah and Jerusalem with him repented of his arrogance. Right. And God withdrew his anger while Hezekiah lived. So that's right. like a whole different insight into what happened there compared yeah, to. Yeah, it makes mm-hmm. Hezekiah, Second Kings makes him kind of look like, oh, well, he's not so great. But this makes it feel like, oh, well, he repented and got yes. like it's. God rewarded him for his repentance. Right. So I just, it was interesting, those two different takes, like the different mm-hmm. perspectives. It made me think of the gospels and how like we get different snapshots, yeah. snapshots of Jesus's life from different perspectives. Yes. Other thing I noticed. I never shoot, appreciated I second Chronicles and I never appreciated Chronicles and Kings like that, but you're right. Yes. I think that's what I'm enjoying so much about it is that we're getting another perspective right. of the same stories. Yeah. Right. And then so to then. read them with the prophets too, which is like mm-hmm. another perspective on some of those stories. But did you notice that the same thing happened with Josiah mm-hmm. where God's like, you don't get, it's not going to happen in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. And there's no, so in second Chronicles, I didn't look back on, I didn't look back at this in second Kings, but when that happens in second Chronicles, it doesn't record really how Josiah responds. I don't think, but it's kind of just like, okay, God's not going to punish Josiah. And it, it just made me think like if that heading wasn't in my Bible in second Kings, where it says that this is Hezekiah's folly. Would like, you have even noticed? Right. Would I've read it? Like, because I, I remember we talked about that a ton, like how that was such a big thing for Hezekiah to be like, it's okay. I don't care if it's not happening in my lifetime and how that was like such a reflection of his character in a sense. Yeah, that actually probably came from my own previous study. I just wanted to take a short break to let you know that we have a brand new community of believers on our Dive Collective Network. If you're looking for a more in-depth Bible study, we offer what we call Dive Studies. Right now, we're going through the book of Genesis in eight-week sections, and we'd love to have you join us. We have weekly meetings via Zoom. So if you're looking to go further in your studies, I highly recommend that you come and see us at divecollective.org for more information. I don't remember which chapter or what the topic was, but it was in Breaking Free. In um, Beth Moore's study, Breaking Free, she talks about Hezekiah and how... um, I think it was in the chapter about generational sin, but it was talking about how like we should be a people who care about the generations that come after us. We mm-hmm. should be praying for the people that come, that come after mm-hmm. us for our children and our children's children and um, the legacy that we leave, leave behind. And she, I think she was using Hezekiah as an example of just the selfishness of like, looking at life and looking at the world. Like as long as it's good for us to enjoy it's good. No worries. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's actually stuck with me over a long period of time. Okay. That must um, be where the conversation came from. That's interesting. Yeah. There's another, like, and then actually another person who's really influenced me about the way I look at Hezekiah is Ann Voskamp because in her 1000 gifts book, she talked, Oh, you read that 1000 gifts. I did. But she talks about Hezekiah being the king that, um, he wanted more days of his life and he prayed for more days of his life, but the outcome of more days of his life led to Manasseh, who was um, the worst King Judah had ever had. And that, um, you know, maybe sometimes God knows better. Like, mm, you know, not that like God, I mean, God, God does what he does. He, he can't right. sovereignty, free Can will. Of worms pop. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but just that idea that um, sometimes more life isn't, better 
you know, more life here mm-hmm. isn't better. That's what made me, I thought of that a lot as I was going through, you know, my pregnancy with Lydia that like, I mean, I could pray for her to live, but how do I know that that's the better option for her? What if the better option is for her to go straight to the arms of Jesus? You know, like mm-hmm. that whole, anyway, a lot of, I mean, just having all these other voices in my life, mm-hmm. the way that I read for sure. So yeah, all that to say, Hezekiah's folly might've stood out to you because it stood out to me from previous, yeah. previous things. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's jump ahead. Let's go to Malachi. Unless you have anything. I mean, Zechariah is still awesome because it just goes with revelations. Oh my. Yeah. Zechariah 13. It says, I, God will begin by restoring the common households of Judah so that the glory of David's family and the leaders in Jerusalem won't overshadow the ordinary people in Judah. On the big day, I'll look after everyone who lives in Jerusalem so that the lowliest weakest person will be as glorious as David and the family of David itself. And the family of David itself will be godlike, like the angel of God leading the people. I just love that. I love that so much. I love That's it hard because, for the little people. Yeah. I think I love it because it um, reminds me of how, <laughs> mm. How am I going to say this? Do I worry about saying it politically correct? He, he will never, ever forget the little people. His eye is on them. He cannot wait to glorify them. Like he's, he is, um, their rescuer and his, and is, and has always been on his side. I don't know. This just like says, spells it out in black and white in a way that I'm like, yes, this is the day that we're looking forward to when everybody, mm-hmm. he is the great equalizer. And we all, we all don't just like, we are not equal in poverty. We're all equal in glory and splendor. Each person will be as glorious as David and the family of David itself will be godlike. Where are you? I always do this to you. Zechariah 12, 7 through 8. I thought it was 13, but I'm just behind that. Yeah, I'm curious what yours says. He just keeps talking about the big days, mm-hmm. the way that Eugene mm-hmm. writes it. It says, on that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that on that day, the one who is weakest among them will be like David on that day. And the house of David will be like God. I love, I like that word defend. Mm -hmm. He's Mm going to defend them so that they're not the weakest anymore. Yes. And establish, like you can see in Mm -hmm. the way that he's established, he will establish his people in Jerusalem and they will be, Mm -hmm. I mean, the picture in revelation is incredible. And it's so incredible that it reminds me that like, where is it? I wrote it down. Maybe it's Malachi. No, it's in Revelation. No, it is. It's in Malachi. This kind of goes with Zechariah and Revelation, but it says, once more, you'll see the difference. This is at the end of chapter three. Once more, you'll see the difference it makes between being a person who does the right thing and the one who doesn't between serving God and not serving him. I can't remember the, the whole context of that chapter. All I remember is looking at it and going... This is the difference between children of doing what's right and children of the promise. Like, mm. as you see in Zechariah and all, all through Revelation, basically what you see is that basically the people who, who are rescued in the end are the ones who were, the, who were holding on to the promise. The ones that like were, that endure through all of, mm-hmm. all of the hardship, that see all of it and they're just going like, but there's, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, mm-hmm. we're waiting. Right, we're waiting, focused. Waiting. It's super simple. It's not like, 
It's not doing all the right things. It's about believing the promise. And like, that's what I see all through Malachi, all through Zechariah and all through um, Revelation is just this idea that the people who hold on are the ones who remember the promise and Mm -hmm. are like, are faithful to the promise, not. Mm -hmm. Well, even like, I mean, not just through Zechariah and Malachi and Revelation, like go back to Kings, like that's one of, well, right. But like, I'm thinking like, what we read this week, like mm. the Kings, Hezekiah, Josiah, their mistakes are recorded just as clearly as their faithfulness. Yes. But they, like you said, they held on to the promise. That was one of the things that I noticed about Hezekiah and Josiah. This translation uses the word um, faithful love. It described, shoot, where is it? For both of them, the rest of his the rest of the events and the deeds of his faithful love, which is like all through Mm. Psalms, how God is described as like his faithful love over and over. But just that same thing, like they weren't perfect men. Like we pick apart all of these mistakes that they made because we have them written down, but it's that holding on to the promise that is what matters. I mean, not that your actions don't, but your actions reflect the holding on to the promise. Yeah. It changes you. It makes you. Yeah. Yeah steady and holding on to the promise overcomes our mistakes right like mm-hmm. yeah so let's touch on malachi real quick unless you have yeah. something left from zechariah no i had one well kind of two things that stuck out in malachi um in chapter one i love it when i love it when god uses the authors of scripture to break things down into things we can understand. And when it, when he compares who he is to like something normal in life. So in chapter one, I love how Malachi is laid out because like, it's kind of like these questions back and forth and he answers them, which is really cool. But in verse eight, well, before verse eight, he's talking about the priests being disobedient and they're asking, how have you despised my name? Will you present defiled food? Have we defiled you? And then he says, God says, when you present a blind, because when God asked for sacrifices, they were to be perfect, mm-hmm. unblemished, Our best. Like perfect animals. Right. And, and I guess sometimes I get caught up in, we talk so much about like God's love that sometimes we forget about his holiness, mm-hmm. right? That those two things, and we've seen like, you can't read through the Bible and not see that. They like, go together. Yes. And God's mm-hmm. holiness is just the same amount of his nature as his love. Right. And so he, anyway, so Malachi one, he says, when you present a blind animal for sacrifice, is it not wrong? And when you present a lame or sick animal, is it not wrong? Then he says, bring it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you or show you favor? God's Mm -hmm. like, I'm not being unreasonable by asking for your best. Like think about your human relationships. If you try to do this to your King, would I, Yes. It totally clicked for me. Like I just was so fatherly. So fatherly. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the way he's explaining it. But at the same time, I was like, I just was reminded that God's requirements are not unreasonable, even from like our human perspective. Yeah. So the way I read Malachi, what you're saying makes me think of just the way that I sort of read Malachi. Malachi's the last prophet in the Old Testament. And I sort of get this like <laughs> it's this picture of this wife that's sort of like she's put all of she's tried to explain 
in all of the long, complicated, like heartfelt, deep ways that she feels abandoned, not loved. I'm totally like, I'm totally putting God in human right. terms. This is not right. God at all, but it felt like through Isaiah and Zechariah and Jeremiah, like there's just this long, like, this is how I feel. And Malachi sort of feels like the, like, I'm about to leave. And so I'm just going to put this in plain and simple terms. And like, and we're just going to be done for, for a while. Like, it's just sort of like this, like, not passive aggressive, but kind of like this giving up, like, here's the plain and simple terms of it. You guys are playing religion. You might as well shut the temple doors and not do anything because you're playing at this thing that mm-hmm. is way more serious to me than it is to you. And so mm-hmm. here are my last words on the matter. Then I'll see you in about 400 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. That's the way that like I read Malachi and I'm not, that's not, um, I actually don't really know what order all of these were written and presented in. I feel like Malachi was one of the last prophets to speak. Well, okay. That's what was interesting to me is I was looking at the timeline, which by the way, I am 100% going to read through the Bible this year with a timeline. Like Uh I just, I will have it next to me while I I just, I'm going to do it because I think it will help me. Malachi is a contemporary of Esther. Hmm. So Malachi is prophesying when Esther is the queen. Interesting. So, so like it's all jumbled up in my head and Ezra. So we're starting in January. Ezra is one of the books we start in. Ezra Mm. happens like right, not long after Malachi's prophecy Mm. when they go back and rebuild Jerusalem, the Mm. walls and stuff. So it is all that is is interesting to me. Right. It is toward the end because it's, I mean, Isaiah is like before they're carried off to Babylon. Right. Jeremiah is before they're carried mm-hmm. off to Babylon. Like all these. So these Ezra and Malachi, these are kind of like these, some last words before I go silent for a while. Right. Yep. Um, but it made me want to keep, like, I kind of was like, oh, now we get to go read Ezra. I'm starting back over again, but I'm in the same spot. Space, like time space. <laughs> it kind of made me excited. That's awesome. So Malachi, that's sort of my, so a great ending. Yeah. He's talking about the day that he's coming. Um, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Yes. You'll be bursting with energy, like Colts frisky mm-hmm. and frolicking and you'll tromp on the wicked. There'll be nothing but ashes under your feet on the day. The God of angel army says so, which takes us to revelation revelation this is i mean if there's a portion of revelation to read this Mm. is it yo this is where we talk about who the new jerusalem what it's going to be like i noticed and loved that basically um the angel who john kept wanting to worship takes him Mm -hmm. let me me show you the bride of christ and when he takes him to the bride of christ it's the temple it's it's the jerusalem not the temple there is no tell that's the other thing there is no temple Mm That's one of the things that John notices is that there's no temple in the new Jerusalem. He describes the city. And did you see where I was telling, I think I told you earlier, I don't know that I left it in, but I was talking about the names, how names seem so important all yes. through Revelation yep. and even any other prophets. And it says that each of the gates have the names of the um, tribes of Judah or mm-hmm. the sons of Judah or sons of Jacob. And each of the foundation stones have the names of the apostles, the 12 apostles. Although, which 12 apostles? I assume disciples. Right. Who's the 12th? But, right. That's a good question. <laughs> well, someone took his place, right? 
Who took yeah. Judah's place? Judas's um, place. Yeah, I don't know. That's the question though that I have. It's like which which who's the twelfth? I want to know who the twelfth is. Yeah. Cause yep. Anyway. The horse and its rider. The other thing that I noticed that I had had questions about, remember it said earlier in Revelation that he has a new name, or maybe it says in Zechariah that he has a new name. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? King of Kings, Lord of Lords? No. Where this are is, you? This is what I was like, what is his new name? Because it said, like, like this is it right here in chapter 19, oh. verses 11 through 21. Mm-hmm. It says all of these names. It's like King of Kings, Lord of Lords. His name will be faithful and true. Faithful and true, like, right. Like word of God is what they will mm-hmm. address him as. But it says he has a name inscribed that's known only to himself. Oh, right. I was like, that's so fast. Like I has like that had my mind just like whirling in this like. Yeah. Like there, there's thinking about the way that like God names us. I feel like sometimes we go through things and we get new names. Like we become different people after he brings us through fires and we discover new things about our character and who we are. And there's like this, like, I remember going through something and thinking like, I feel like I've like, I've lost fear. Like I don't really have fear anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just going to say, it reminds me of that book. What's that book with the deer on the, Oh, high feet on high places. Yes. Yes. Cause yes. that's what like her name changes completely. Yes. 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 So good. Just like that. And so then I was thinking like, it would make sense that after Jesus does all that he does, goes through all that he goes through, that there would be no name for what, who he is that we could possibly have a word for or an understanding Mm. of. And that name is like known only to himself. It's like only God knows who Jesus really is and mm-hmm. can fathom like what he's really done mm-hmm. and what he stands for. Like there's no holiness doesn't cut it. Mm-hmm. Righteousness doesn't cut it. Faithful and true doesn't cut it. Like the Lord of Lords and King of Kings is like, these are the words that we get and there'll be right. a thousand ways to describe him and who he is. He will be alpha and omega, but there's a name that only he knows for what he is and what he's that done. Like, is it all. Yeah. Yeah. I just, that's what, that's where I went with that. I thought that was really that's cool. cool. If you haven't read the end of Revelation, if you haven't gotten through, through the, the hard stuff to the beautiful picture of the promise, like that's really mm-hmm. what I keep coming back to. It's like, if there's nothing that you get out of Revelation, read the end for the promise. Mm. Verse know? 17 at the very end. Mm. It says the last chapter, verse 20, chapter 22, verse 17 says, both the spirit and the bride say, come, let anyone who hears say, come, let the one who is thirsty, come, let the one who desires take the water of life freely. I feel like that just, I mean, this is like one of the last verses in the entire Bible and, and there you have it. I feel like it's the essence of why I said that I felt like our tagline should be come and see because everywhere in scripture, like you, Jesus says, come and see the Samaritan woman says, come and see the man who told me everything that there is to know about me. Come and see, come and see, come and see. And then in Isaiah that he's saying, come and know the Lord. Like there's just like all of these mm-hmm. places where it's like, come. And so, yes, like when I read this, I was like, yes. Right. And oh. coming through, like at the end of revelation, especially and the prophets, like those books that there are more questions than answers. Yes. But really that's good and 
it's good to explore those questions and to dig and to study and to talk and to know. It goes back to what you were saying before that it's about the promise. It's faith in the promise. And all you have to do is come like that's it. Wrap it up. That's where we're going to end right there. Yes. That's it. 2020 three cap mic drop. Yes. And okay. You could leave this out if you want, but the other thing in that chapter three times, I think I underlined it. Jesus is saying I'm coming. He's telling everyone to come, like, just come. But he's like, I'm coming. Don't worry. The I have a point. I'm coming. Yeah. Yeah. I have goosebumps. Yeah, that's good stuff. That is such good stuff. Thanks for listening to the recap. If you enjoyed this discussion, and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth Bible studies, where we model our version of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org and we will see you next week.